time. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Can we make some noise for him? Just a quick little reminder. That's what we're here for. (laughs) He is who it's all about and so excited uh, that we get to uh, gather around the name of Jesus this morning. And listen, if you're new here, if it's your first time here, welcome. My name uh, is Michael and alongside uh, my amazing wife, Katie, we have the privilege in honor of being able to lead this community called the Becoming Church, and we're really excited to introduce you to it today. And uh, listen, please, before you leave here today, please stop by the welcome tent. Uh, we have something that we want to give you and just say thank you for coming. Uh, and like they said earlier, we're not going to spam you or anything like that. It's just a way uh, of saying thank you uh, for being here, because we know you could have been anywhere else, but you chose to hang with us, and we appreciate that. And listen, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is 2023. Can you believe that? Here we are already in a new year. And uh, last Sunday, uh, we kicked off on the, on the first day of the year, uh, we kicked off a brand new collection called Becoming. And the premise of this collection uh, is, to, is to really answer this question, who are you becoming? How many of you would agree that it's important to, to pay attention and to understand who we are becoming? And we laid the groundwork for the discovery of this question. Now listen, We don't get to answer that question just right off the bat. You don't get the answer to that question in six months. But oftentimes the the story, the answer of who you are becoming is a lifelong journey. It's a discovery. And we can see that, uh, the the, the path to that in Luke 2.52, which is what we dove into last week, where it talks about how did Jesus grow? How, How did he, in essence, become like we hear about, you know, baby Jesus, the birth of Jesus, and we know grown adult Jesus healing signs and wonders. But what about that Jesus in between? What well, was Luke 2.52 that says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man? And so if we're becoming this year, if we're going to grow, that means it's important to look at these areas of how we can grow, how we can become. And so those areas that Jesus grew in, wisdom, stature, favor with God and man, you can look at it this way. He grew intellectually, uh, he grew physically, he grew spiritually, and he also grew relationally. So we had a, uh, you should go back to YouTube, uh, to the YouTube channel and uh, check out last week. But we made these quadrants that at the top was intellectually and then physically, uh, spiritually, and relationally. And, and, and the practice was uh, to, go, to go home this, this past week or at some point this month and begin to pray and ask God, how do you want me to grow in these areas? And family, uh, there's a strategy for growth, a strategy for becoming. And listen, before we dive into, y'all started my clock already, but this ain't my message. Um, <laughs> before we dive in, in, into this week, you know, I, I felt like, you know, 
Last week I talked about sometimes, you know, growing up in churches uh, uh, as a kid, there was always like, you know, a word for the year that rhymed with, with the year, like God's going to do more in 04, you know, we're coming alive in 05, that kind of thing. And, and it kind of seemed like I was making fun of it. I wasn't. I'm all for it. But it was just like, okay, so that's a word. What do we do next kind of thing, right? We can't just leave it there. There has to be some practical steps to it. So I wasn't against it if you gather that, not at all. Because um, in the same way, I feel like there's a word for us to focus in as a church this year, uh, but not just as a church, but also for our lives individually. And I, and I think I might have shared it last week, um, but that word is preparation. I think it's going to pop up on the screen. There it is. Preparation. I feel like it's the word that the Lord is calling us to as a church. Because here, we're rounding into one year as a church, and oftentimes when you start to settle into things a little bit, you can kind of become complacent. You can get used to it. You know, that's my chair. I know the drive that I take on Sunday mornings. I got my routine. Okay, they're going to do three songs. They're going to be a little transition ministry moment. And then, right, you can kind of get complacent. But I feel like God is saying, listen, if you think this is it, you, you've missed it. I need you to prepare. I need you to dig deep a little bit, and I need you to prepare for 2023 and beyond. You know, early on in the church, we said this, that we're not here to be an overnight success, define success anyway, but we're here for overtime significance. That takes time. It takes time to be significant over time. We all know the one hit wonder. They had the one song. They had the one great movie, and that was it. But it, it, it takes something to, to uh, last over time, and I think that begins with prep work. You know, if you look at a lot of great athletes, a lot of the difference is the preparation that one would put coming into a game versus the other. They, their preparation was ready. So when things didn't go as planned, they had preparation to go back to. How many guys know that there's going to be some things we encountered this year that we didn't plan for? But if our preparation is right, then we don't freak out, but we go back to the moments of preparation where we heard the voice of the Lord and we were steadied in that moment. But this is not just about the church, but this is about your life as well, that God is calling us to a place of preparation in your life. There are prayers that you've been praying. There are things that you've been asking God about, but it requires preparation. You can't to, to expect for another level and whatever that looks like in your life, you can't do the same thing. So there's some preparation that has to take place. Now, preparation is dirty and it's ugly and it's messy, but it leads to an end where ultimately you're walking in that place that God has called you to walk into. And so as a church, I feel like that is the word uh, of, of the year that we're supposed to rally around. Now, there's nothing magical about this word, so please don't take that, but it's a mindset shift that in your day-to-day -day routine, you can ask yourself, how am I preparing? How is this, mom this moment, how am I, what am I about to do, participate in? How is this preparing for what the Lord has called me to? Are you tracking with me this morning? And here's a scripture that the Lord placed in my heart. It's Proverbs 24 and 27 that says, prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward, build your house. So there's preparation that must take place. Prepare your outside work. Notice the word work. It takes work. You got to get dirty a little bit. Make it for yourself in the field. Again, it's going to be some dirt. It's going to be tough. It's going to be trying. It's going to be difficult. But that's what preparation looks like. And then afterward, build your house. You know, when you see all the, all the construction and different buildings and things going around uh, the city, they don't just say, hey, this is coming, and then boom, they build it. 
They go, they move dirt. They do some tests, some soil tests and all that stuff. They make sure everything is good. They go down deep in the ground so that the structure can come up and be supported. And so I feel like this is what the Lord is calling us to, which plays right into uh, the collection that we kicked off last week called Becoming. And so we're going to continue that this Sunday. And I'm going to come from Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 6. And so uh, if you have your Bibles physical copy or electronic copy. I happen to have both. You may not. It's okay. I'm not judging. It's a joke. Y'all I know. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It's going to be available here on the screen if you don't have a copy. But it says this. This is Paul speaking. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God and power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith in his name's sake. And then here's verse 6 that I want us to focus on today. It says this, And you are also among those Gentiles who are called. You see that? That's us. Who are called to belong to Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for these moments, God, that we share. I pray, God, over these next few moments, God, that you, God, incline our ears to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. God, open our eyes to see what it is that you want to reveal to us. God, we're here for you. God, we lift you up. God, you say if you be lifted up, God, that you draw all people to you. And so, God, we're lifting you up to draw people to you so that life transformation can take place. Father, over these next few moments, God, we say this. We're your servants. So speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Hey, family, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? There's a lot of laughter. It's probably a question that you hadn't gotten in a while. But, you know, as a kid, you would get that question a lot. It was something that you would be asked and something that you would answer quite often. And I remember for me, as a, you know, as a kid, getting that question like any other kid. And one thing that I responded with, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I, I just wanted to own things. And, 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 and one thing that I, I wanted to own, I wanted my own car dealerships. Like, I was into cars. Like, that was my thing. I don't know if magazines still exist now, but, like, but that was my thing. I had a subscription to all the car magazines, like Automobile, Road and Track, Motor Trend. Um, there's one more I'm missing. I can't remember what it is. But I had subscription to all these magazines that would come to the house, like 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, because I wanted to own car dealerships. Like, I, I, like I, I, Mercedes was my thing. BMW was my thing. Audi was my thing. I had taste as a seven-year-old. Come on. And um, I remember sometimes, you know, parents, they, my mom's not here today. I was make sure. Okay. Um, you know how parents do. They insert themselves into something when it's a moment that a kid is having. Instead of like, yo, just let them have that moment. And I'm a parent, so I do it too now, so I understand but, you know, my mom, she couldn't let that moment just be. And she was like, oh, you going to buy your mom a car? <laughs> I looked at her. I was like, no. <laughs> Entrepreneur. 
business person. I can't be giving inventory away. The one you want is one that I could sell. There's no giving away. The look on her face was like, I can't believe this little boy. But I'm like, hey, you set yourself up. Anyway, but here I am. I, I, I don't have a car dealership. I don't have any of that. In fact, this whole idea of like what I'm doing now and what I get a chance to do was something that I never anticipated. If you would have asked me that, I would have said absolutely no way. And so that's why the message of becoming resonates with me so much. And it's why I love to communicate that message because I feel like there are so many people uh, out there that feel like there has to, there, the trajectory of life is like this when it's really like this. There's a lot of ebbs and flows and a lot of different moments in that. But, but what's cool is God is consistent through all of those things. But one end of a journey doesn't mean the end of a journey. Are you tracking with me? But it's redirection. And, and I've encountered that and has, have discovered that uh, multiple times uh, in my life. But what I'm talking about here in this idea of becoming is discovering identity and calling. Because that's part of the journey of becoming. The goal is to become like Jesus, but it's a discovery of that identity. It's a discovery of that calling and what it looks like. And so maybe you may feel that tension. I know one, one of the tension points is career and calling. Like you, you may work a career, you may be in a career that you like, yo, this is not my calling. Or, or is, is career and calling, are, are, are they together? Are they the same? Are they different? Or some of you may even have the question like, am I even called? But family, understand that calling is important to the discussion of becoming. And it's vital when it comes to following the way of Jesus, of discovering identity, because what you believe about you oftentimes has significance towards what you will ultimately become. So today, as we continue this collection, Becoming, I want us to have a conversation around the truth about calling the truth about calling. Can you say that with me? The truth about calling. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. The truth about calling. And here's the first truth. Calling requires a choice. Calling requires a choice. So there's uh, this story in, in Matthew chapter 3 where uh, we, we get an introduction we're introduced to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, uh, he's this guy that's, you know, just wild and eating uh, locusts and wild honey. He's a wild dude. And he's in the wilderness, and he's shouting, prepare the way of the Lord. He's known as John the forerunner. Before Jesus would come, he makes this introduction to Jesus. And so he's, he's baptizing people and all these things. It's cool stuff. Well, now Jesus comes to John, finds John, and is like, yo, I need to be baptized by you. And John's like, yo, 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 you're tripping. You're the one that I've been shouting about. Like, if anybody needs to be baptized by anybody, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus is like, John, listen, there's prophecy that must be fulfilled, so you're going to baptize me. John's like, you're right. Let's, let's make it happen. And so John, he baptizes Jesus, and in this moment, there's a cool moment as Jesus is coming up out of the water, uh, the heavens open up, 
the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, and you hear the voice of the Father that says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I love, and I am well pleased. That's John, excuse me, that's Matthew uh, 16 and 17. Now, when we see this, we can kind of look at this as, as like, oh, this is a cool moment. This is the fa- a father, because we can look at it in, in our sense uh, today, like, oh, this is the father placing identity on his son and, and, and confessing and sharing his love for his son. But you got to understand uh, how the early readers and, 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 and listeners of this would have understood this, because son of God was, was a moniker that was used all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, you can see it in Exodus. It was a moniker that was used for Israel. And then later it was used for the Messiah, who's the savior of the world, the long-awaited king. So this is not just a moment where God is like, oh, yeah, the father's placing identity on his son. But this is a statement of identity of Jesus, but also the calling of Jesus. That, yes, he is the Son of God, but he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And oftentimes, you ever heard people say, hey, listen, you are not a a human doing, but you're a human being. But I think we have to retract that statement. I get where it's coming from is the idea of just overworking, working, 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 and, and having your identity found in your work. But no, family. Who we are called to be does affect what we do. So Jesus was and is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. Well, that's going to affect absolutely what he does. That's going to have an impact on what he does. So it's not separating the two that is either or, but it's both and. The point is to be walking in what God has called you to so that your doing matches your being. Are you tracking with me? So our doing and our being are not at odds with each other, but they relate to each other. Now, I do want to say this. If we can put Matthew 3, 17. Is that what I want? Yes, 3, 17. So it says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Here's what we need to catch in this moment. At this point, Jesus has not done anything. The miraculous stories, the healings, the signs, the wonders, all these things, they have not taken place. But yet, God says, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This shows us, family, that God's love for Jesus was not based on anything that he has done, but it was based on who he was. That his love for him had nothing to do with what he could do, but it had everything to to do with who he was. And I feel like some of us need to hear that this morning because we feel that we're unlovable. We feel that there's no hope for us. We feel like we've messed up. We feel like we've missed the mark too much, so we're out of reach of God's love. But hear me this morning, family. I hate to break it to you, but what you can do and what you have done has no implications for the love of God that he has for you. Are you tracking with me this morning? You say you're a little excited about that. Yes, because we live in a place of 
of legalism and, and that it's all about what I do that determines God's love for us. But that's not consistent with Scripture because when Jesus hung on that cross, he died for our past, present, and future sins. Long before any of us was even here in the room, he died for us and he forgave us of those moments. So listen, God's love for you is not based on anything that you do for him, but it's based on who you are to him. Are you tracking with me this morning? Now, oftentimes people will say, God loves you and he wants the best for you. But family, I would be cheating you if I left it right there. Because of God's love for us, it calls us up to a higher way of living. So not just keep doing what I want to do because, well, God loves me at my worst. Yes, he does. But he's calling us to a higher standard, to a higher way of living. I, I, I don't just express my love for Katie and say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want because you just got to accept the fact that I love you. So that should be enough for you. No, God says, yes, I love you. But look at what, if you love me, look how your life should be. Look, look at the change. Look at the opportunities. Look at all what's available. So I don't, at the same time as I express the importance of God's love for you, not, be, not being connected to what you do for him, we have to complete this and understand that because of God's love for us, it calls us up to a higher place. Are you tracking with me this morning? So God's love for you isn't based on what you do for him. But it's based on who you are to him. That God says you, you, we, we are called, we are chosen, we are loved. We, we are a, a chosen people. It's based on who we are to him. So here in this moment, there's this cool moment. Jesus has been baptized. and The heavens have opened up. And God declares, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased in. You would think it's time to party at this point. Like, yo, get Gabriel, get everybody. Like, we're we going to party. We're going to turn up. Now, so here's what happens. Literally leads right into Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what happens. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, we doing seven, so don't even trip. <laughs> I love how the Bible, too, is just so obvious. After fasting four days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I, I bet he was. <laughs> but look how the, 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 look how the enemy works, though. He knows he's hungry. So the tempter, come, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Y'all catch that? Then Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And here it is again. Watch this. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, like, okay, cool. So you're going to go to scripture. I'm going to do this too. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He's like, look, all this I would give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. There's another if. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, verse 10, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, let's go look at verse 3. 
it says, we see where the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. That's interesting. Turn these, tell these stones to become bread. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for this written. He will, not, he will command his angels concerning you. Not going to dash your foot against the stone. And then verse 9, I will give you all of this if you will bow down and worship me. Now, this is very interesting because clearly we just saw that God says, this is my beloved son and whom I love and I'm well pleased. And here the tempters like, if. Now, I have done this before and preachers will often preach it this way, including myself. This is where we say, you know, God, uh, 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 the, the enemy will always uh, challenge your identity. And he does. But I don't think that this is what's happening right here. Because it's clear and, and the enemy knows and all that. So it wasn't like, if you're the son of God. It was more like, I mean, if or like since. Here's what the enemy was trying to do. He was trying to get Jesus to respond less than to the calling that he's called to. And many of us are like that. We know what the Lord has spoken to us. We know what we are called to. Some of us, not all of us, but some of us who have discovered that. But the enemy will always to, uh, attempt for us to choose something and live a life beneath the level of which we're called. Are you tracking with me? He says, if you are the son of, son of God, if you will bow down and worship me. Here's the point that I'm making. The enemy will always tempt you with choosing a counterfeit calling over your God calling. And this is not a new tactic here in Scripture or today. That is still his tactic today. But this goes all the way back to the garden. In fact, these moments are contrasted together. In the garden, what was it? I mean, but did he really? So he, he knew, obviously, that this is what God spoke. Like, listen, you can have all of this, but don't mess with that. So now here he is with Jesus. That's why Jesus is known as the last Adam, because he came to correct what the first Adam messed up. So the first Adam did not respond in the right way, but the last Adam responded in the right way. And do you know how he responded? He didn't respond. Now, listen, everything that Jesus did, he did out of his humanity. So you may say, oh, it was easy. He's Jesus. No, 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 no. Everything he did, how he lived, Philippians 2 talks about how he emptied himself out. So everything he did, he did out of his humanity. So in this moment, he responded out of his humanity, but look where he went. He went to the word of God. He went to a it is written. So every if that he was countered with, he countered back with the it is written. Family, are you responding to the tempter with the it is written? Are you responding with the word of God when he's when the enemy is saying you're not going to make it? You're not enough. You're smart. You're not smart enough. Do you know what family you come from? Do you know all the challenges of doing that? You have to respond with the word of God that says I am called, that I am chosen, that I am a new creation, that I am alive, that I'm not defeated, that I am the head, that I'm not the tail, that I am the lender and not the borrower, that God has plans for my life, that I have a hope, that I have a future. Are y'all with me this morning because this is what the scripture says about you it's something to get excited about because everything is coming at you telling you what you're not but if we don't know 
Come on, get this. If we don't know what scripture is saying who we are, then we will accept a counterfeit calling and all we will feel is broken, defeated, and heaviness and depression and anxiety. Everybody has their idea of what 2023 is going to look like. It's going to be bad. Oh, the inflation. Oh, the recession. And so if you're feeding yourself that, then that's the counterfeit voice report that you're going to take. Now, it could be recession. It could be inflation and all that. But I'm choosing to believe the word of the Lord that says he supplies every single thing I need. Not sometimes, but it says daily he provides what I need. That when there's sickness, Psalms 103 lets me know that he brings healing to my body. We have to respond with the it is written. So the step of preparation begins understanding that calling requires a choice. A choice of if you're going to accept the if that the tempter speaks or are you going to respond with the it is written. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Now here's, here's the next truth about calling. Who you are reveals who you are not reveals who you are. Who you are not reveals who you are. And in John chapter 1, it tells the story again, our friend John the Baptist here, where he's met by these Jewish leaders, and they want to know who he was. And so in verse 20, it says this, he did not fail to confess, but confess freely. He says, I am not the Messiah. And then they asked him, Well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He says, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, well, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And this is what John said in John 23. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Family, did y'all catch that? John had three no's before he got to a yes. I am not the Messiah. Are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? I am not. And then, no, I'm not a prophet. But then finally, he says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Family, sometimes discovering your calling means discovering what you are not. And you know what that means? That sometimes we fail. That sometimes we mess up. But some of us, we're not able to discover who we are because we never, ideally, in our minds, mess up. And the reason because of that is because we never take a step. It's because we're afraid of failure. Culture has placed that on us because there's a lot of pressure from culture to know who you are and to live that Right now in this moment, you, you got to flex on Instagram. You, your TikTok game has to be on point. And if you ain't traveling here, going there, driving this, buying this, selling that, entrepreneur, this business, that business, um, what, what's the um, Bitcoin, this coin, all the coins, like if you don't have all that, you, you, you're not living. And so then some people look at that and like, well, I don't, I don't even know what to do. Because look at John. He was asked, here's culture. Who are you? That was what culture was placing on him. But John was like, 
I know what I'm not. And because he discovered what he was not, it revealed who he was. And Jesus is like, yo, there's no one that's lived greater than John the Baptist, someone who discovered who he was not. He discovered who he was by understanding who he was not. And maybe this is pressure you put on yourself. Maybe this is pressure from friends and family. You still, you still ain't in your career yet. You still ain't doing that. You still having your parents pay for another year of college. Right? Come on. We know family. You, we just finished Christmas. So you've been around family. Don't act like that aunt and uncle did not ask you that question. So what you doing now? You know how they say it like that? Okay, that's, that's cool. After you've been excited about it. Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> they might put a little in front of it. Oh, that little business? All right. But get this, failure is catalyst in discovering who you are because it reveals who you are not. Don't be afraid to fail, family. It's okay. I have a quote. Look what Thomas Edison says, the inventor of the light bulb and many things. He says, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've su successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. It's your perspective and how you see it, Right? So it may take three no's to get a yes. And here's the point that I'm making, that it's a journey of discovering identity and calling. I don't care if you're 14 or 84 in this room. It is a journey of discovering identity and calling. And so free yourself from this pressure by doing what Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 tells us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance and the race marked out for us. Run your race. Keep your eyes like this. Don't worry about that lane or that lane, because that lane has nothing to do with you, and neither does that one. And when the moment you get in this lane, this lane speeds up. And then you get back, and then you see that that one is now speeding up. The point is, like, stay in your lane. That's the lane that God's marked out for you. And here's how you do it. Verse 2, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. You have to allow who you are to be enough. That's great you started that business. That's great you're doing that. But God has not called me to do that in the way that you are doing it. And when you live that way with your eyes fixed on Jesus, family, it releases this pressure that the culture puts on us and what we ultimately put on ourselves by way of the culture. And here's the last truth about calling. Insignificant is significant. Insignificant is significant. Now, we've mentioned this before about the this idea of major moments and minor moments, that oftentimes we live for major moments, but we dismiss minor moments. So uh, Katie and I went to a wedding yesterday. That was a major moment, right? Like two people said yes before family and friends and all that. That was a major moment. But that major moment only existed 
because of a minor moment. That guy had to go talk to that girl and had to risk the, the possibility of being turned down. But if he had never had the courage to go speak to her, then nobody would have witnessed what took place yesterday. So could it be that minor moments are not minor, but minor moments are actually major? Because it's minor moments or what we call insignificant moments that lead to significant moments. Are you tracking with me? So if we're going to walk in calling, we have to redefine our view of what is significant. And there's a story um, in 1 Samuel 16 and, and into 1 Samuel 17 of David and Goliath. And, and many of us may be familiar uh, with this story. But here you have David who uh, heads down to the battlefield. So uh, Israel is going up against the Philistines. And uh, they have this big old guy, this giant named Goliath on their side, and he's coming out, he's making taunts against Israel, taunts against God daily, and Saul, who was the king at this time, uh, he and his men, they're afraid. They're like, yo, we cannot face this giant. Now, David comes down to the area where they are, uh, following some orders from his dad, and he hears what's going on. David loves the Lord, and he's like, y'all don't hear this uncircumcised Philistine, like, which is Christian cousin, by the way. <laughs> But he's upset. He's like, you're going to let this dude defy the name of our God? Nobody's doing anything about this. Like, he cannot understand it. <laughs> Y'all like, he just... Uh, yeah. um, and so Saul, the king, catches wind of this. And it's like, okay, they have this conversation. Like, what, what are you going to... Ultimately, David goes before and faces Goliath. And we all know the story. He, David, this little teenage dude, slays this nine-foot-something giant in front of everybody. And it's a whole big thing. The ladies come up with the song. Like, they're dancing out in the street. They've made up the song, singing a song about the whole experience. Now, what's easy to do is get caught up in David killing the giant, which for a lot of us is the part of the story that we love. You know, we celebrate it with March Madness and NCAA basketball tournament. Look how the 16th seed took out the one seed, right? We celebrate all of that, especially that team last year. I can't remember who it was and all that they did. But we celebrate the, the, the underdog defeating, you know, the, the, the heavyweight. But here's what we got to understand. It was what David did when no one was watching that prepared him for the moment when everyone was watching. And as we close this morning, Mike, if you come and play, and we're going to land this plane. It was what David did when no one was watching. And what God did in his life in those moments that prepared him for what would take place when everyone was watching. Here's what I'm saying, family. We have to be comfortable with being unseen. But that is opposite of our culture today. We all have to be seen. Look, I'll do it. I'll post a video. And I'm like, oh, those views are off. The algorithm must be tripping. I'm going to delete that. I'm going to post it later. Because people need to see this because there's a word. Please, get out of here. But I've done it. I mean, somebody got to see this. I done set this camera up and record it. They're going to get some views on this reel. We all want to be seen. 
But family, the difference isn't what is seen. The difference is what is what's done when it's unseen. Because here's a, here's a thought about being seen anyway. Because so, so many people struggle to do everything outside of character, all this stuff, to fight to be seen. But here's why we have to handle it. Because if you can't handle being unseen, you can never handle being seen. What's your character like in the hidden moments of life? Who are you when no one's watching? Are you consistent in doing the same thing over and over and over again, regardless who sees it, regardless who talks about it, regardless who brings it up? We have to be comfortable with being unseen. So here's a question for all of us. What are you currently doing in the hidden moments of life that will prepare you for the revealing moments of life? Some of us sit back and say, well, when I, I will. Well, when this happens, then I'll do this. Family, that's not how it works. David only responded this way because of what he was doing when he was unseen. So if you go back, if you go back to, where is it? 1 Samuel 17, 33 and 37. Saul's like, yo, you can't handle this dude. You're just a little young man. This dude has been doing this since he was a youth, talking about Goliath. But look what, what David says. He says, listen, your servant has been taking care of his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of God. Look what he says in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Family, it was because of what he did when no one was watching. It was him, the sheep, the lion, and the bear. So when he saw this giant in front of him, he knew I was ready for this moment because of the unseen moments. You're doubting this. So people will doubt you. People will call you crazy. God didn't call you that. God didn't say that. But they don't know what you've been preparing for. That's why I feel like the word of, 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 of this church this year is preparation. Because then when the moment comes, people are like, well, I, I, I didn't know. But it's what was done in the dark moments. I know they don't develop pictures like that anymore. But it was what was done in the dark room that made it ready for when it's time to reveal. And you say, well, how does all this happen? Here's how. You got to get in motion. Stop waiting to have all the answers. Stop waiting to think there's something that's just going to be figured out. You get in motion to figure it out. It's motion that gets it going. It's, let me say it this way, it's serving. Why was David there in the first place? He was serving his brothers. He was taking them a lunchable, cheese and crackers in scripture, cheese and crackers. He was serving. So you're like, what am I called to? What am I supposed to do? Listen, I can't answer that for you. But if you get in motion and you begin to serve, yes, here on Sundays and, and I love my city, but in your home, you marry your spouse, your children, your place of employment, out in the community, 
think, how can I serve? And it's by serving that God begins to reveal things to you, that he puts you for the moment that you step up and you say, I know I was created for this right here. Now, before we get out of here this morning, I want to make sure that you feel like you walked away with something practical. So here are some questions in this idea of identity and calling. Because some of us, we struggle with the truth for some of us. is like, yo, the truth about calling for me is that I don't feel called because I don't even know what that looks like. So here are some questions to ask and discover and call. They're going to pop up on the screen right here. What have I always been good at? There's a reason you've been good at it. There's a reason God has given you that talent and ability to do that. Pray into these things. Ask God, why have I always been good at this? What needs exist that I care about the most? There are needs all over this world. So you can look and see what needs exist, what giftings, what tools that I have that can help meet those needs. Who do I admire the most? Maybe there's someone that's already doing something similar to you, that's walking in a similar way. Study them. If they're close, if they're local, ask them questions. If, if it's someone on Instagram, shoot a DM. You never know what happens. In fact, one of the overseers of our church, years ago, I saw the ministry that he and his wife were doing, and I shot him a DM and introduced myself. And now today, He's an overseer of our church, someone who cares for you, who cares for the Becoming Church, who cares for us, because it was someone that I looked and I saw how God was moving in their life. And now here we are where they have an opportunity to pour into us and into this church. What makes me feel most fulfilled? It's not always about chasing that because there's work, but, but there are some things that you do that you like. You'll go to work and you like, yo, it's five, I'm out. But there are some things that you'll do, you lose track of time. What do you feel most, when do you feel most fulfilled? And then here's the last question. What do you love to do? And so maybe you pray about these, these questions and the answers, and some of you may, you may know the answers, some of them you may not. But I feel like that's a practical way that can lead you to this idea of, of calling in terms of, God, what am I supposed to do? So here's what I want you to walk away knowing. That the key to discovering your calling is to understand that discovering your calling isn't an event. It's a process. It's not just going to happen like that. It's a process, and you got to get in motion. And so as we get ready to leave here today, you know, it's great to discover your expressed calling. You say, what are you talking about? I'm explaining here in a moment. But that's not the only aspect of calling that needs to be realized. Romans 1.6, we opened up with this earlier. It says, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus. That's it right there, family. So while you may not know how that express calling to Jesus looks like, you can't walk out of here today and say that you're not called. You are called to belong to Jesus. And then oftentimes, or what he does, he gives us express expressions of that calling. Maybe that's a teacher. 
Maybe that's a lawyer. Maybe that's a doctor. Maybe that's an engineer. Maybe that's an entrepreneur. Maybe that's a creative, whatever that looks like. But your calling is to Jesus. And this is the journey of discovering, of discovery that we're on. Because when you discover who he is, you can discover who he's called you to be. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, thank you that we are called. Thank you, God, that you called us to you. God, when things weren't right, when things were out of order, when we couldn't get it done on our own, you sent your son, Jesus. God, to bring us back to you, to call us back to you. So we're called to him to be reconciled back to you. So, Father, I pray that no matter where we all may be in this journey, that we realize that we are called. We're called to Jesus, to to look like him, to live like him, to, to become like him. And so, Lord, as we're on this journey of discovery, God, may we have patience. Lord, may we choose to understand that there's a choice and we got to choose what your word says. That we got to be okay with failure because oftentimes discovering what we're not reveals who we are. And help us to see ultimately, Lord, that what the world or maybe even ourselves will call insignificant is actually significant on the journey of discovering identity and calling. But listen, if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, this is, this is the place of calling. This is where it begins. It begins and ends with him, that you are called to belong to Jesus. And so I'm not going to make this long. I'm just simply going to ask if, if you haven't discovered that call or say yes, rather, to that call to Jesus this morning, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer of saying yes to him to begin this full life and discovery, this journey that he wants to take you on. Now, I will tell you, it's not an event. So just because you may say yes here in this next moment, you're not going to necessarily walk out of this room and just everything clicks family, it's going to be a process. But you've got the Spirit of God now on this process with you. And so if that's you this morning, if you want to say yes to the call to belong to Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior of your life, if that is you, will you just simply raise your hands all over this place this morning? And I just simply want to lead you in a prayer. Amen. I see your hands. Amen. Amen. See your hands. You may place your hands down. Amen. And so I want to say this. I'm going to ask all of us to pray this, but especially those of you who lifted your hands. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start and wipe away my past. Today I'm putting my faith in you as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to live for you. I want to serve you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.